So, just going to remind you of several things that I said last month when we were in this series. I made this statement, somebody has to be in faith. Somebody has to be in faith in their life. Not some, somebody, somebody has got to believe that faith works. Somebody's got to be actively involved in a life of faith and trust. Not just talking about it, not just thinking we know what it is, but actually bearing and producing fruit of faith. Somebody's got to be doing it. So what I say over myself every day, if somebody's got to be in faith, I'm him. How about you? It's me. I'm in faith. I'm going to be in faith. I'm going to live by faith. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Didn't say without faith, it's impossible for God to love you. Mm. You got to tell yourself, as that song said, every day, oh, how he loves me. In spite of me, he loves me. But to please him, in other words, for him to be pleased with your advancement for his kingdom, it takes faith. Real faith, not presumption, not just thinking we know faith, but getting the results. Somebody's got to be in faith. <clears throat> and to do that, you've got to say the right things. Faith will not manifest and materialize in your life when you're speaking a bunch of trash. I mean, it can be, it can be you speaking, you know, words of fear all the time, afraid of this, afraid of that. It can be you speaking negative things always, always seeing the glass half empty instead of half full, always seeing things from that, from, the, you know, those, those foggy eyes of, you know, everything in life is bad. You know, I'm going to read a scripture to you to, tonight that I'm believing is going to liberate your life. Just a passage that with, with everything I'm going to say up until this last scripture I read you, I'm believing it's, it's setting you up to see things in a greater way regarding what we're talking about here. But you'll never walk in faith and live in faith if you don't change the way you talk. And the Bible's very clear, and I'll read a few verses of scripture regarding that. James 3, 1 and 2. My brethren, do not many of you become teachers knowing that <clears throat> we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man and he's a good teacher. So let's read verse 1 again. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers of the word, because I'm telling you, when you become a teacher of the Word, all hell comes against you because you're putting something out there that people won't get anywhere else. So don't be quick to be wanting to be a teacher until you got this faith thing down. And how do you get that? It's the next verse, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in Word, he's a perfect or a mature man, a developed man, 
able also to bridle his whole body. Nothing out of control. Can you live in that place where nothing is out of control? Well, would he have said it if we couldn't? That's the mark, right? Did Jesus live that way? Yeah, he's the mark. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind, but pressing toward the mark. The mark is him. He's the perfect man. He's our perfect example, and we can develop into this life where we have control of everything we say, everything that we do, because of what He accomplished. Or He wouldn't have said it. And that's just one verse. Revelation 12 and verse 11. And they overcame Him, little h, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. They loved Him. And where did that start? They overcame Him because of what Jesus did and then what they did. I'll say it again like this. Jesus did what He did in accomplishing what He accomplished through His shed blood, through His death, burial, and resurrection. He did that, but then He also accomplished it by what He did on the earth. And He accomplished it by decisions that He made along the way to obey God. And so, that's the lifestyle we have to follow. Not very popular. We don't, we get frustrated, you get tired of doing the right thing. You get tired in the process of God when it looks like other people are getting advantages that you're not getting and you're tired of doing what's right. Speak to the hand. Go talk to Jesus about it. (laughs) They all left him. They all boogied. They all left him. Everybody forsook him. Everybody forsook him at one point. Think about it. You know, somebody lets you down, somebody doesn't do this right, somebody, you know, is not, doesn't hold up their word or whatever. They all let him down. And you know why? Anything that you see happen in Jesus' ministry, and he overcame that, it was that no matter what you go through, you can overcome. He did it all for you and me. So, can we live our lives where we clean up what we say? I say we can. Keep challenging. That's why I keep preaching on this. I'll quit preaching it when we get it. Right? You know, as I've taught on this before, I've I've had a lot of, not, not this time, I haven't had anybody really say anything like this, but through the years as I've taught on this, I've had a lot of people say things like, well, you know, Pastor, I mean, am I just supposed to say nothing? It might help you for a while. Just shut up for a while. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, you, you know, you act like I can't, you know, even talk to someone else about something. Well, it depends on how you're saying it. You know? Somebody does something to me, I go home and just dump on my wife and tell her all kinds of stuff and say all kinds of things about the person, you know. No, I don't get to do that. No. 
There's nothing wrong if, if, there's, if there's an issue for me to discuss it. But I got to watch the way I say it. You know, good example. Let's just take a, just a random example. Let's say, um, <clears throat> let's say somebody stole something from you, okay? And you know they stole something from you. And so I go to my wife and I say, you know what, that low down, no good, right? I mean, they, they stole something, okay, it's wrong. And you know they stole it. But I, I just sabotage my own life by saying all kinds of things when I'm just trying to communicate and talk about how I'm going to deal with this situation. Yeah, you got to talk about things, but you got to guard every word coming out of your mouth. And you don't think you do? Keep on. And you see how your words will sabotage your future. I, I want no part of it. My future is what I say it is. And it's what I say it is based on what he says is so. And if I don't say what he says, then it's not coming to pass. Good intentions and I hope so and, you know, you know, just leaving it all to God. And if he decides to do it, not the word. He's already done it all. Now, we just have to embrace it and apply it. And it starts with what we say. Can you say amen? <clears throat> so, it's by what Jesus said and did. And that's how we get results in our own lives. <clears throat> Romans 10 and verse 8 <clears throat> says this. But what does it say, talking about the righteousness of God? Seeing the righteousness of God manifest. If you look at the previous seven verses, that's what he's talking about, the righteousness of God. And he said, but what does it say? It says, the word is near you. First, it's where? First, it's Where? in your mouth, and then in your heart. Well, I'll just wait till the Word gets in my heart. Not if it doesn't get in your mouth. You're waiting until hell freezes over. Not going to happen if it doesn't get in your mouth. He said, the Word is near you, in your heart and in your mouth. That is the Word of faith which we preach. So you got to hear it as you're hearing it tonight, and then do something with it, take it serious, and apply it. Next verse. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, because that's what they were talking about, what's right in God's kingdom. And with the mouth, confession is made unto the results. So, you come into the kingdom through confession and believing, and you maintain in the kingdom through confession and believing. Did you hear me? We come into the kingdom that way, and we maintain that way all of our life. And if you don't Allow the word that's in your mouth first to begin to come out of your mouth. You know, other people can speak and pray over you and all that's good, but if it ain't coming out of your mouth, it's not benefiting and profiting you. Nobody can affect your life like you. 
And that's the hard truth that we have to get a hold of. Through the years, people have relied on intercessors and that to get them out of messes, to pray them through things. Well, you know, my mom's praying. Well, you know, Sarah Dunning's praying for me. I know that. Everything will be fine. Not if you don't want to do anything good. I mean, when you're young in the Lord and you're still in spiritual diapers and, you know, that, yeah, all that works. But there comes a day when you grow out of that thing that you've got to stand up and rise up and become who God wants you to be. If we don't, it doesn't work. You'll not maintain, yeah, we came into the kingdom. Man, I can, I can remember coming to the kingdom and, man, in the first year or two, man, so excited and, you know, would hear truth and put it to work and, man, it just like it worked. It was like a magic show. Bam, bam. I, I, was like, I felt like uh, Indiana Jones with his whip. Huh? Jesus' name. Bam, 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 bam. And then all of a sudden, it was like, where'd that whip go? You know, all of a sudden God began to expect and require things out of me that, well, you know, yeah, but I'll get to that later. And it didn't work like a magic show. Yeah, he, he, you know, things happen in the early years to get our attention to that we see that it's a real thing. But then, as in the natural, when you're growing up, there's more expected and required out of you, right? That's why he said, don't, don't desire to be a teacher too quick. You got to understand how this thing operates because you become a teacher, think you got it all down, and all hell comes after you, and you run and turn tail and hide. That doesn't do anything to advance the kingdom, so God said, Be patient, develop, become a mature man, put the word in your mouth, and the word coming out of your mouth, in your ears, down in your heart, and gets established in you. Then, as you begin, to teach and minister the word to an individual then to another and, and, and things begin to evolve and things happen in your life that way. That's the way it's set up. But it takes knowing first and foremost the word is in my mouth. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> Proverbs 12 and verse 6. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion. <clears throat> the wicked use their words to ambush and accuse. But the lovers of God speak to defend and protect. Man, I like that. Man, I like that. The wicked use their words to ambush and accuse. And you know, you know, the, the, the wicked, you know, the word wicked means to be twisted. It means to be twisted in your thinking. No human being is, is demonically wicked in their core because they were created by God. When people are demon oppressed in their soul, which everybody is at different times in your life, there's things of your past that try to dictate your future, and the enemy's using thoughts and ideas to control your life, there's an oppression that's there. Everybody deals with that, saved or unsaved. But then there's demon-possessed people that are not born again. And they're not bad within themselves. You get the devil off of them and out of them, and they become good because they were made good. God never made anything bad. Can you say amen? So he's saying here, because of their ignorance, because of their stupidity, because of their lack of knowledge and understanding, 
The wicked use their words to ambush and accuse. But the lovers of God speak to defend and protect. Defend and protect what? The kingdom. Defend and protect the advancement of what God is doing. And that all comes to you in the form of revelation based on what you say out of your mouth. Let me just ask you this question I want to answer, okay? I want an answer by, by raising your hands. I'm going to ask the first question and then the second question, okay? Do you feel that the instruction to confess the word on a daily basis is oppressive? Just think about that for a second. Or do you believe that the instruction to speak the word based on the scriptures I'm giving you and many, many more is liberating? How many believe it's liberating? Okay. Anybody in here believe it's oppressive? I mean, just be truthful. I don't, I don't care. I mean, you know, I, I mean... If you're truly being honest, there's times when you think, oh my gosh, I have to speak this again. You know, when you feel like something's not working, when you feel like things aren't panning out and you're, you're doing all your due diligence and all the things that you're supposed to do, quote. And we got to get out of that mentality and we got to see the liberty that's in speaking the word. It'd be like if Dale went to the doctor and he said, I want you to take this syringe, have somebody shoot this syringe in your arm, and this medication is going to make you feel better every single day. I want you to take it every day. So Dale does it for two weeks. He feels good. Then he forgets about it. Oh, you know, you know that, that's, that's kind of demanding and oppressive that I have to do that shot every day. Well, do you want to feel good? You know, just a natural example. Do you want to feel good? Yeah, but, you know. I had stuff to do. Okay, go do it. You know, well, God will still love you. He still loves you. Yeah. But when you disobey, there's consequences. There just, there just is. When you don't do the Word, nobody can make the Word catch up and make it work. I've been saved for 45 years this year. So now it's an even number. <laughs> no, it's an odd number. <clears throat> but it's a, it's a uh, rounded number. 45 years this year. And there was some time in there in those 45 years when it was on and off. Anybody relate? Kind of did it for a while and then didn't do it for a while. And then I did it for a while and I didn't do it for a while. But I kept doing it. Right? I just kept doing it. To where today, nothing can stop me unless I stop. Nothing's going to stop. Not, as Paul said, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, things present, things to come, no other created thing is going to separate me from the revelation. Speak in the Word. First and foremost, it's the most important thing. It's not everything. 
The most important thing is the Word of God. The second most important thing is the Spirit of God and obeying what the Spirit of God tells you. And you've got to mix the two. You've got to bring them together. But it starts with the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. <clears throat> and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written... I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Verse 16. Therefore, do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. Oh, is it? It is if I'm doing something with it. Because look what he says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So he's saying to us, That everything that we face in life, he calls it a light affliction. Everybody say light. That's what he calls it. The Word of God calls the things that you and I go through light. But they don't really become light to us until we become trained in not being moved by what we see, what we hear, and how we feel. Until you get to a place where the Word of God comes to the rescue every time you see something that doesn't line up with the Word and tries to tell you that that's the way it is, until the Word becomes that, that entity that rescues you in that moment, in what you see, what you hear, and the way you feel, then things aren't going to seem light and momentary. They're going to... They're going to appear to be a big deal. And you know what? When something's a big deal, what's the first thing you do? You voice it. Oh, my God. I'm so tired. Oh, this is another day. When it's a big deal, and he says it's light and momentary, but when it's big, it's going to come out of your mouth. And until you get to the place where the Word of God is first place to rescue you when you see those things, because you see it every day. I was, I was sitting with my wife earlier, and she showed me something on her phone earlier, and it was just a report about something or somebody, you know. And a lot of times, people don't want to hear bad reports because of what it does to their head. But you can read a, a report that's not so good because sometimes you need to know what's happening, what's going on, but you need to be rescued in your soul right there by the Word of God so that thing doesn't tell you that's the way it's going to be. Because it works overtime to tell you that. Overtime. So, <clears throat> my last passage tonight 
that goes with what we just read. The last part, the, the, the 18th verse. Seventeen and eighteen, for our, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen here are temporary, but the things that are not seen, these are eternal things. And and I want to focus on what those unseen eternal things are, as I'm reading to you what Isaiah said in Isaiah 11 and verse 1. And there's just a piece of Isaiah's prophecy of the coming Messiah. Isaiah 11 and verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Whatever was on him was for me. I'm going to say it again. Whatever was on him was for me. You think that what he left in heaven, he didn't have there? He didn't have wisdom in heaven? He didn't have knowledge in heaven? He didn't have the fear of the Lord in heaven? He didn't have any of those things? He had all that. He came here And he gained that, it would be on him, it would be developed in him, so that when he sacrificed and died, that would come on me. So I'm going to read again, but I'm going to read it this way. The Spirit of the Lord now rests on me. Can you say amen to that? The Spirit of wisdom and understanding now rests on me, it's in me. Spirit of counsel and might, it's now on me because it was on him. Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, man, it's mine. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge, watch this, he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide a matter by the hearing of his ears, verse 4, but with righteousness... He shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. Now, my focus here is this. All the other things I spoke, he did for me. He gave me wisdom. He gave me understanding. He gave me knowledge. He gave me the fear of the Lord. All of that's mine. And when he came... And when he did the will of the Father walking on earth, he never one time made a judgment based on what he saw, never one time made a judgment based on what he heard, never one time made a judgment based on how he felt. Not once. But his judgment was in what? Righteousness. Which is what? Romans 1 says that this word is the righteousness of God. This word is God's righteousness. His judgment in every situation was based on what God said, not 
how something appeared to be, not how something he heard or how he felt. I'm telling you today, that's on you and me. That was on him. He lived the life. He fulfilled the life. He died and he rose. He ascended upon high. And now we're seated with him at the right hand of the Father. And by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, listen, to those who are listening to his voice, the Spirit of God is telling you every day, in every situation you face, what's right. But he can only speak to people who have their minds renewed and think like him. And where does that start? The word in your mouth. If you've been speaking, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you've been speaking that for 20 years, and that's been coming out of your mouth mostly every day, repeatedly, number of times a day, there's something in you that he can connect with by the Spirit of God when you need to be reminded that the situation that you're facing that seems insurmountable or you have no answer to that the greater one is in you, and if you're listening to him, and you'll pay attention to him and ignore the other things, how do you get rid of the thoughts that tell you it's not going to work? You don't combat thoughts with thoughts. You have a thought come to your mind, and you don't go, they don't go away. You combat thoughts with words. No, 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 no. I don't care what that looks like. I don't care what it appears to be, seems to be. No, the greater one lives in me. See, because in the moment when these situations come, he comes to liberate us from the thoughts. Because the thoughts that are kept, and you stay with those negative thoughts, and you stay with those thoughts that are telling you all kinds of lies and stuff, you stay with those thoughts, they bring destruction to your life. But the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, he is there to rescue you every moment. Listen to me. I believe this is right. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not His Word. His Word reigns supreme. Where you and I are concerned in this life, His Spirit runs a very close second. But here's the thing. The Spirit will not reveal to you knowledge and understanding that you've not begun to develop. He'll give you, he'll cause the knowledge you have to, to go to new levels because of what he reveals to you. But if you don't do your first part of putting the word in your mouth first, then there's no real believing of it. But when I've got that word present in me, He's there to rescue me from every single thought. Because he lived for 33 years, never making one judgment based on what he saw, what he heard, how he felt. Think about it. How many judgments have you made 
in your life based on what you see, what you hear, and how you feel. God just wants you to make the change, <laughs> you know. And, and you know, I don't know about you, but what I've noticed in my own life, change starts with a decision. And I learned a long time ago, I got to change first and foremost by making the decision to be better at speaking the word. And when I do, and I allow that to become more and more and more in my life, the more I believe in what I'm saying, then the more I believe is going to come to pass when I need it. One of, one of the, to me, one of the most brilliant things about the Word and about real faith, remember I started out this whole message by saying somebody's got to be in faith. And when you see this process walked out, somebody's got to be in faith in those difficult times. It's one thing to say you have faith when everything's good. But when something's not so right, Faith has to arise in that situation so that the words that you say, you believe are going to come to pass when you say them. But those words will never happen. You, you, you don't throw a bunch of Scripture at a problem trying to fix it. It doesn't work. How many can testify to that? It doesn't work. You, you can confess the Word till you're blue in the face. Nothing's going to happen. When you've waited to confess the Word when something bad's happened. That's why today is the most important day to begin, to be more diligent, just saying, God, what else can I do? Not, try, not trying to force the issue, but just, God, what can I do? I want to be better at this. I want to understand things that you want me to understand in a greater way. And when I begin to confess the Word, and I learn to develop my hearing of the Word of God. He's going to speak to me the Word. He will never speak to you something that doesn't line up with God's Word. That's why the Word's first and foremost. But when He starts revealing things to me, and then He arrests my soul, and He gives me my conscience, my, my, the voice of my spirit comes alive in a difficult situation, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, no, this is what's going to happen. Because God just gave that to me because of how I've trained and renewed my mind and prepared me for the declarations of faith in the moment. That way I'm not, I'm not just throwing 49 scriptures at a problem trying to get it to change. It doesn't work that way. It do, it's not a magic show. It sure seemed like it for the first six months or a year that I was born again. Shoot, man, I got this sucker figured out. And then all of a sudden I realized, nah. Not so. It's going to require some more stuff. What I'm leaving you with tonight is this. If Jesus never made a decision based on how he saw things, how he heard things, or how he felt, he gave you, through what He accomplished, He gave you the ability to do the exact same thing. And all I'm doing is, I'm encouraging you tonight, and actually, I'm just praying for you tonight. That you will take a hold of that and develop it. By the Word of God being in your mouth on a daily basis, you being convinced of that, and developing your ability 
to stop when you're emotional in a situation. Stop when you're being moved by something that you see, something that you've heard. Stop and listen to the Holy Spirit reveal to you from the Word what is the answer. He'll tell you. You ever had somebody say something to you and then all of a sudden, have you ever had somebody say something to you that somebody else said? Anybody? Yeah, everybody has. So, so somebody said, hey, so-and-so said this about you. Well, <clears throat> no, what I've learned to do, I mean, I've had all kinds of things like that in the past, but what I've learned to do in the last number of years, you take a step back and say, Lord, what's the real truth here? I want to know the truth because I want to know the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Can you say amen? So help me God. I want the truth. And when you step back, most of the time, what, listen to me, what's so amazing about this is God will show you what the truth is, and with the truth comes a peace that you can begin to pray for that person. Like, like say it's some issue or whatever somebody's, you think somebody said, somebody's talked about it. You, you don't know. I mean, you know how you know how that if I tell Dale something and he tells Brian, do you know how that thing could get twisted? Not because Dale's twisted, he just thinks different than I think, and so on. Everybody thinks that way. And 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 if Brian's gonna take the as gospel truth that he heard it from the horse's mouth through somebody else, you're gonna be deceived. But we got the Holy Ghost, the one that knows everything about everything. And he'll tell you something. And then, if you learn how to pray the word over somebody, maybe they did say something like that. Okay? So, so what if they did? I mean, if God be for me, can that person that didn't like something I did be against me? <laughs> Not if God's for me. But i got to know God's for me so I don't allow myself to get wrapped up in all the little petty crap. And it comes from what I say so that what I see and what I hear and how I feel don't control my life. That's my prayer for you tonight.